You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a Bible doctrine series by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. As we continue on our study of the doctrine, the teachings, doctrine means teaching, of the teaching of angels given to us here in the word of God. All right, this is all about what the what? What the Bible says about angels, not what we say, not what may be our opinion. And you're going to see that tonight. You know there are some times that I will say something like this to you. You know I'm not sure about this. This is just kind of my idea or this is my opinion of what may have happened. And I think that's how we always should frame it. And even tonight we're going to look at some things about the angels that I'm not sure. I can't give you a definite answer. Uh, about what we're going to look at tonight about the angels, but uh, at least we'll kind of take you in a biblical direction here. You know, I, I guess this, if God really wanted us to know, he would have made it very clear. And so that's all I can say. Well, let's have a word of prayer before we get going here tonight. Daniel, pray for us. Amen. All right, now I'm totally dead here. Now we're back to the first slide. All right, I want to start out with this verse. The Bible says in Psalms 103 in verse 20, Bless the Lord, ye his what? Ye his angels. Now watch this. That excel in strength. That excel in strength. Tonight we're going to look at the ruling angels and what the Bible says about these ruling angels. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that uh, excel in strength, that do his commandments and hearken unto the voice of his word. So let's review over where we've been so far as we've been looking at the various ministries that the various angels have in heaven and also here on earth. I want to tell you something, angels are very active. Okay, They are really busy in the ministries that the Lord has given uh, to them to do. But before we do that, let's go back over the various types of angels that are recorded for us in the Bible. Someone give me the first one. What were the first one that we studied? The archangels. Okay, They were Michael and they were Gabriel, the two and only two archangels mentioned in Scripture. Again, the question was asked, you may remember, are there more? I don't know whether there is or not. All I know is the Bible identifies two of these as being archangels. Next were what? The cherubims. We studied the cherubims and the seraphims last week. One mentioned there in Ezekiel, the other mentioned in Isaiah uh, chapter 6, also Revelation chapter 4. The seraphims there around the throne, and we'll, we'll review their ministry here in just a moment. Now tonight we're going to look at the ruling angels, how God breaks down the various ranks of angels because God is a God of authority. He's not a God of confusion. And so for there to be a structure of authority is very, very important to God. And so we're going to look at God's structure of authority even within the angelic rank here tonight. Ruling angels. Then we're going to look at 
guardian angels. Are guardian angels real? Absolutely, they are real, the guardian angels. And then finally, we will look at the angel of the Lord and who the Bible identifies the angel of the Lord as being and what is the ministry of the angel of the Lord, and uh, particularly in the Old Testament. <clears throat> All right, now let's go back over the ministry of the archangels. There was Michael and there was Gabriel. We put these uh, descriptions of them up here because one is holding a sword, the other is holding a what? Okay, how does that differentiate their ministries? One is a messenger. Who's the messenger? Obviously the one with the trumpet. Gabriel, blow your horn, all right, as the song goes. And then Michael would be the, he would be the warrior, okay? We find him doing a lot of battling there in Scripture. And so Michael's the warrior, and here's just one of the passages, just one of the passages that we used. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, his angels. Then we have Gabriel. We find Gabriel bringing many messages. He's, he's, it really appears that Gabriel is right before the throne, and when God has a message to deliver, he gives it to Gabriel, and then Gabriel delivers that message as he did to Mary concerning the birth of the Christ child. Again, just one example of that in Scripture. Now, <clears throat> this is where we were last week as we looked at the ministry of the cherubims and the seraphims these angelic creatures. The Bible calls them beasts in the book of the Revelation, and we'll see why. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto a crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four what? Four beasts. Who are these beasts identified as being by Isaiah? Seraphims. Very good. Okay. Four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a Lion. It kind of went into this in detail last week, why one appears as a lion. And the second was like unto a calf. Isaiah says an ox, like unto a calf. And the third had the face of a man. And the fourth uh, was like a flying eagle. So these four different faces uh, that were on these uh, seraphims. Now, how many wings did the seraphims have? They had six wings. Good, we got it down this week. They had six wings. With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they did, with two, they did fly. And as they flew around the throne, what did they sing? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. The Bible said they cease not singing that song day and night. It was interesting when we went to um, Steve's mother's funeral last week. The church that they had the funeral in uh, had stained glass windows. Now, how many here like stained glass windows? I, I personally think stained glass windows are super cool. Okay, Other people don't like them at all, you know, too high churchy or whatever. But I think it's really neat. And so we're sitting there, and my wife bumps me, and I said, what? She goes, look at the window. And we look up at the windows, and each window had a seraphim in it. And my wife said, you know what? I never would have known what those were unless you would have taught about the seraphims. So we kind of thought that was neat. And then Ben mentioned it, didn't you, Ben? said, Dad, did you notice the seraphims there in the, the window? So interesting. And the 
four beasts, each of them had six wings about them, and they were full of eyes. And we talked about why they were full of eyes within. And they rested not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is to, is to come. So who are they singing to? They're singing to Jesus. All right? Because it says, which was? He was, right? Died on the old road cross. He is. He's a resurrected Savior. And one day he's coming again. Give me an amen. So they're singing all about the gospel there around the throne. So we studied the seraphims and what the seraphims were doing, what their ministry was. And then we spilled over and we began to look at the cherubims or the four living creatures that the Bible identifies. And these are in Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel chapter 10. Again, this was all last week. And every one of them had four faces. What's the next word? A piece. So there we find quite a difference, don't we? Same faces, but we find quite a difference between the cherubims and between the seraphims. Seraphims each had one face. These now have all four of the faces. And every one of them had four wings, not six, but four. And the likeness of the hands of a man were under their wings. Now, remember we talked about last week how they joined together. And they fly in groups of what? They fly in groups of four. And with them is something else. What? A wheel. Remember how the wheel has eyes around it and inside it, kind of like a double wheel. And the wheel is just spinning out glory. And whenever the angels move, what moves with them? The wheels move with them. Quite a, a spectacle that we're going to be able to see. And they are also there very close to God all around the throne. The question was asked, how many of these are there? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us how many of them that there are. Uh, as for the likeness of their faces, they had four, had the face of a man, the face of a lion, the right side, they had the face of an ox, the left side had the face of an eagle. So the same faces. I really like this picture. You know, just some of these pictures that I find, I'm like, that is an awesome picture. And so here is Ezekiel seeing this amazing vision of these, seraph or these cherubims and their wheels about them. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. And the cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. And when they went, the wheels also were beside them. And everyone stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house. And the what? Glory. These cherubims are all about glory. And their glory of the Lord over Israel was over them above. This is the living creatures that I saw, and as they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of great waters, as the voice of the Almighty. How many have ever been to Niagara Falls? Okay. Is it loud there at the falls? Okay. So the idea there of this uh, great waters. No, not until the end. Go ahead, Mary. Just because you're my elder. Cherubims. Did I say seraphims? Oh. Okay. Yeah, we're still talking about the cherubims here. But when we combine, when we combine both of their ministries together, the seraphims, we would call them the what? The singers. Okay? They're singing, singing, singing. We know that. The Bible doesn't say that the cherubims sing. It doesn't say that. But they're close to the seraphims, they're moving around, they're spewing out glory all over the place with these wheels. Lightning is like coming out of these wheels, remember? 
Satan was called the anointed cherub. He was a cherubim. And within him were calibrates and flutes and pipes and harps. And so he was very musical. Uh, many would say, well, he was kind of like the choir leader of heaven. And, uh, but again, we can only kind of guess or surmise as to what these cherubims are all doing. Remember, there were cherubims that were designed to cover the mercy seat. So when God said, Satan, or Lucifer, you are the anointed cherub that covereth, some assume that that's talking about protecting the holiness of God. We don't know. All right? Again, we can only just assume. But I want to tell you this. Listen, one day we are going to know. And I think there's just some things about heaven that the Lord keeps secret from us, that when we get up there, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered in the heart of man things the Lord has prepared for those who love him. I think we're all going to be jaw-dropping when we see this taking place around the throne. Don't you think so? We're going to go like, this is awesome. The glory of God. Now tonight, we'll get into some new material. And uh, this will have to do with the ruling angels. Now here's how I'm going to approach this tonight. I'm going to read several passages of scriptures that talk about the different ranks that the angels in heaven have. And then we're, after we read all these scriptures, we're then going to try to break it down for you and make it a little bit easier to understand. So let's go through what the Bible has to say about these ruling angels. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches of his glory, of the inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places. Now I underline this, watch this. Far above all, what? Principalities. Now we'll get into this, but a principality, that's a compound word. It's a prince over palities with power. A prince over a palatee with power. We know what a municipality is. A municipality is an area over which someone in authority has delegated someone else to be in authority over that palatee. So a prince over palatees with power. Principality, and what's the next word? And power. So there's principalities. There's those who are powerful angels. What's the next one? Might. And what's the next one? dominion, and then I just add to that every name that is named, not only in this world, not only in this world, these angels function in this world, and they also function in the world which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet. So who's in charge of the angels? The Lord Jesus is. Do you know the Bible says in the kingdom we will rule over the angels? How many of you knew that? When we rule and reign with Christ... Chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, or is it 2 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians says that we will rule over the angels. So as we look at all the ruling authority that the angels have right now, one day we are going to be appointed as we rule and reign with Christ over these angels. Kind of an amazing thought, isn't it? And hath put, th put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Who is the head of the church? Some people say, well, who's the head of the church? They say, well, the pastor is. Who's the head of the church? Well, the deacons are. Who's the head of the church? Well, the congregation is. None of those are right answers. Who is the one and sole head of the church? <laughs> Jesus Christ, just as he is the head of the angels. 
He's the head of all things to the church, which is his body. The church is the body of Christ, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So we have principalities, power, might, dominion, every name that is named. Now chapter 3. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, talking about the church. Isn't the church a great fellowship? I mean, there's nothing like the church. Which from the beginning of the world hath, hath been hidden in God, who created all things in Christ. In the Old Testament, they never saw us. They never saw the church age. Okay? It was a mystery age that we're now in right now. So they never saw it. To the intent, here we go, to the intent now that the, say it with me, what? Principalities, there we have principalities again, they keep appearing, that the principalities and powers in heavenly places... They have ministry on earth, ministry in heaven, might be made known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. As we study the angels, we are literally studying the manifold wisdom of God, especially when it comes to God's structure of authority, as we'll see tonight. According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's look at another one. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 through verse 18. For by him were all things who created the angels the Lord Jesus. By him were all things created that are in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Are angels invisible? Have they ever made themselves visible? Whether they be, now here, here we have another one added. Whether they be what? Thrones. Some angels are identified as thrones. Whether they be thrones, here's another one, or dominions principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body of the church, there it's mentioned again, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, for resurrection from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Who gives him the preeminence in heaven? The angels do. Absolute preeminence is given to him in heaven by the angels. Absolute preeminence should be given to him by us here in the church. Do you see how the angels set an amazing example for us? They really do. Let's go to the next one here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 through verse 9. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are... Come on, church. These three are... These three are one. And ye are complete in him. <clears throat> Aren't you thankful when we got saved, our salvation was absolutely complete? Didn't add to add anything to it? which is the head of all, say it with me, principalities and power. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 through verse 22, By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven, who is at the right hand of God, angels, now here's another one, and what? Authorities, and here come the powers again, being made subject unto him. Daniel chapter, and again, this is just a sampling. We could go on and on with verse after verse after verse that talks about the different ranks of the angels. This is Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. You may remember when we studied this earlier on in our study of the angels. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. What was Daniel doing when he had that angelic opposition? He was praying. How many days did he pray? Do you remember? Bethany, I think I saw you mouth it. What were you going to say? No? Some, 21. Prayed for 21 days for this answer to come. And there's all this spiritual warfare taking place. The prince of Persia, which we believe as we look at the context of this, was Satan. 
was Lucifer. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael... Now, now think of this. Who was Michael identified as? An archangel. But here it identifies him as having another ruling position. What is he called? Okay, he's called a prince. One of the chief... One of, so there's more. One of the chief princes came to help me. So now we have this position of a prince. So as you stop and you think about all these different levels or these ruling positions that these angels have, it's kind of like uh, using an analogy from our world concerning ranks within the military, going from a private, from an enlisted man, all the way up to the general. And you can see the enlisted ranks, the field officer ranks, and the general officer ranks. I think you got up, didn't you, to general, five-star? Weren't you up right around there somewhere? Like that. Or was that your wife that got up there? She ran, oh, she was the, she, she outranked you. Oh, okay, we, we got to keep going here. So, so listen. God is a God of authority. He is a God of rank. He's a God that puts angels in various positions. And he also puts men and women in various positions. Of authority. Authority comes from God because He's the ultimate authority. So this kind of gives you an idea. This is what I, th- I think there are ranks of these angels. We've read about them uh, here uh, in the scriptures. So we'll call it the angelic hierarchy. And there's 10 ranks of angels that I discovered. And I want to say this to you when it comes to studying the angels, There's hardly any information out there. So I'm so glad we got a Bible (laughs) that we can go to and we can look. And this this is all I'm giving you. All I'm giving you tonight is just what the Bible says. Okay? So I was was able to find that there were ten different levels, ten different ranks of uh, angels. Now, as I say that, let me say this. I don't know what angels rank over other angels. Now, to me, an archangel, the arch, the arch, you know, the archangel seems to be a pretty high. Actually, remember, Michael was called the chief prince. So whether the archangels are like the generals, there's only two identified, I don't know. Satan was called what? The anointed cherub. So being the anointed cherub, he had some high rank. So I don't know how all of these ranks fit into God's program. I couldn't find a chart anywhere in Scripture uh, to look at. So I'm just going to put them up here. And are you understanding what I'm saying? As I put these up here, they're not necessarily in the order of rank. I just kind of had the idea archangels may be like... The generals. My idea. So an archangel, uh, in the Greek word, simply means chief angel or an angel of high rank. Then we have the princess. Remember, Michael was called also a chief prince. Not just an archangel, but a chief prince. This is a ruler, uh, a royal ruler, subject to a king or the emperor. Of course, the king would be the Lord Jesus himself. Then we have the cherubims. 
These are powerful heavenly beings. We've studied them that surround the throne. We have the seraphims. Whether these are equal or not in power and authority, I don't know. But we have the seraphims. This is one of the, the higher rank of these angelic beings. So we know they're up there somewhere. Maybe just under the archangels and the princes. Then we have thrones. To me, a throne is a pretty powerful position. What you say? You're kind of all agreeing with me here? If you disagree, it's okay. Okay? Because I'm not sure I'm right on this one. But I kind of put them in the order that I'm guessing. Archangels, princes, cherubims, seraphims, maybe together there. Then these thrones, which means seats of authority. So God appoints some angels to sit on thrones. Fascinating. Then remember we talked about the authorities. That, that is where we get the word magistrate or potentate. Okay? Some angels are given authority. doesn't tell us what. They're just given various authorities. Then we have these principalities. Again, a prince over palities with power. A ruler over a jurisdictional area. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So there's also these ranks within the fallen angel world, within the demon world. Then there's dominions. Dominions is a territory of sovereign control. <clears throat> Again, some of these apply to evil angels as well as the good angels. Then there are powers. This is delegated authority or jurisdiction, a strength. <clears throat> Listen, I'm going to tell you one thing. You don't want to mess with angels. Even if they're lower ranks, you don't want to mess with them. Someone asked me, are, are there like, uh, just kind of just like general angels or peon angels? <laughs> 300 times the Bible just mentions angels. Okay? Without them having any position, any authority, any rank, it's just angels. Okay? And then the last one that I was able to find is might. And it just simply means powerful, forceful, or strong. Okay? So let's go down through these. Why don't you just you know, kind of get them cemented in our mind. Let's just read them together. Ready? Archangels, princes, seraphims, cherubims. Ser Would you quit messing me up? All right, let's start again. Archangels, princes, cherubims, seraphims, thrones, authorities, principalities, dominions, power, and might. Not sure in that order, but these are the various ranks of angels uh, that we find uh, mentioned in Scripture. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'll, believe it or not, a lot of hours are spent by this preacher in study and putting these things together. And I could not find any more. If someone can find an 11th or a 12th or 13th, let me know, and I'll add them to my list. But I couldn't find any more. Then there's also various titles that are given to the angels. And I want to go through some of these titles that are given to them. Some of them are called ministers, okay? because they minister. This is their spiritual service. They're ministers of God, just like we are to be ministers of God. Others are called the host of heaven or heavenly host. When the Bible talks about a host, it's talking about military service. So 
under being a minister, this is talking about their spiritual service, and then the host is talking about their military service. Now stop and think about this. We talked about how the church is a boot camp. And what are we being trained to do? We're, we're being trained to do warfare, aren't we? We are soldiers of Jesus Christ. We do not come to the church to be entertained. Did you join the military to be entertained? Why did you join the military? Don't say because I couldn't find a job anywhere else. Please, don't say that. Why did you join the military? Now he's going to say because I couldn't find a job anywhere else. To get away from home, okay? I don't want to live under authority. I'm joining... <laughs> I'm joining the military. No one's going to tell me what to do. Oh, my soul. I don't even want to go anymore there, okay? Military service. Listen, we're in God's military service. We are. You know, I just think we, we, I think we just have a wrong view of the Christian life. I think we have a wrong view of the church and the purpose of the church and why the church is here. Ministers, host. Angels are also called chariots. I found a place today, and I didn't have time to put it in here, but it says that God rides on one of these chariots. But I didn't have time to put it into my lesson here tonight. I'm trying to figure out, how does that work? I don't know. Well, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be cool. I'll just say that, okay? But they're, they're called chariots, and it may refer to the swiftness. Because at that day, chariots were the fastest form of transportation. So the swiftness of angels. It says he rides on the chariots of heaven. I think that's what it says. Then some of them are called watchers. Watchers. Remember when I told you I was in the hospital in the Philippines, and they asked me who my watcher was? Because you had to have someone to be there in the room and watch you and take care of you. They didn't do it, you know. Watchers, which means it was their duty to supervise and to oversee. They were the agents of God. They're watchers. Watch out, angels are watching. They're called morning stars. And we know from the context there in Job, this refers to how they witnessed God's creation back in Genesis. They also are called stars. I mean, remember that when we studied the book of the Revelation. You know, one, th one thing's neat about the Bible. If you get into the Bible and start studying the Bible and learning the Bible, you begin to see how this passage fits with this passage and this New Testament passage. Oh, I understand that because it mentioned this in the Old Testament and the Bible just becomes one amazing book. So they're called stars and uh, this uh, may indicate their number. Because when you look up at the stars at night, can you count them? Try it sometime. You can't count them. Okay? Angels are innumerable. And also, stars are amazing in glory, aren't they? Just absolutely magnificent. Bright and glorious. So, may refer uh, to that. <clears throat> so, let's, uh, let's read these down together, okay? We have what? Ministers, we have a host of heaven or heavenly host, chariots, watchers, morning stars, and stars. Now, I encourage you to do this, okay? Take notes. Jot these verses down. And then begin to do study. Uh, 
Alyssa actually, uh, actually she, she told me what to preach on. No, she said, Dad, I got something I want you to preach on because you're always telling us to do it. But you never tell us how to do it. You want me to tell you what she told me I should preach on? How to study the Bible. She said, you're always telling us to study the Bible, but you don't tell us how to study the Bible. Okay? So I'm going to work a deal with her. You know, like, if you never get married, I'll, I'll teach on it. You know, something like that. Just, just a small give or take thing. Okay? So yeah, we need to do that. That's, that was a good suggestion. They're also called what? Sons of might, or the mighty. Sons of might or the mighty. This, and notice how I said this title may refer, okay? It may refer to their strength, their awesome strength and power. They are called the sons of God. This title does speak, it's clear from the scriptures, speaks of them being a direct creation of God. As we are the sons of God or the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, they are the sons of God. Um, because of his direct creation of them. They're, they're called heavenly beings. Let's speak of them having these celestial bodies. Remember we studied the terrestrial and the celestial? They are called spirits, which speaks of them as being spirit beings. This would be them in their invisible state. The uh, Bible talks about them being holy angels or holy ones. This title means that they are confirmed, at least the good angels are confirmed in their state of holiness. They're not going to fall. They're not going to sin. They're not going to turn into demons. Uh, then it talks about the angels of God and of Jesus. This title speaks to whom the angels belong, who is their ultimate authority. And then they're called flames of fire. And I think this would refer to them being instruments that God uses in judgment. We find him using angels over and over again to bring his judgments. So let's read through these ones. Ready? Up at the top. Sons of the mighty, sons of God, heavenly beings, spirits, holy angels or holy ones, Angels of God and of Jesus, flames of fire. This gets us now to the application. It's one thing to teach doctrine, but it's another thing to take doctrine and give it a practical application in our own personal lives. So what do we learn from the angels? All right. Well, there's a lot that we learn. But one thing we learn is that God is a God of authority. If he has these various ranks, then he's a God that has established structures of authority. In the Bible, God outlines authority structures that apply to the family, that apply to the church, that apply to the workplace, and also apply to government. Let every soul be subject unto the higher what? Power, the ruling powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers, the rulers, the powers that be, say it with me, are ordained of God. So, so where does all authority come from? It has to come from God because he's the ultimate authority. He's the ultimate potentate. Recognizing and obeying the one who is in authority, the one who is in charge, what does it do? It brings security, it brings guidance, it brings order to the group. God is not the author of what? Confusion. When you have two heads, what do you have? You have a monster. God is not the author of confusion. 
He has an authority structure. Again, in the family, in the church, in the workplace, and in government. Each person, I guess maybe I should have phrased it this way, every person is to be under authority. How many believe that? Say amen. Every person is to be under authority. Okay? We're to look to the person who is an authority over us as our leader and get direction and also to be accountable to that authority that God has put over our lives. Leadership then, in turn, has to provide the guidance. It has to help work through questions and problems that arise by those under their authority, thus giving direction to the group. The one in charge is ultimately accountable to who? God. Who here is in a position of authority? Can I see your hand? Okay, every father should have had their hand up. Every father or husband should have had their hand up. Okay? Every teacher could have put their hand up. Okay? I could put my hand up as a pastor and as a father. Okay? Maybe you're a boss at work. Maybe you're a foreman. Maybe you own a company. Okay? Every single person in this room is to be under God-ordained authority, just as the angels were, because he is the source of it. <clears throat> By virtue of who God is, tell me, who is God? He's the creator. All things were made by him and for him. He is the creator. This Sunday, if, if the Lord keeps directing me, I'm going to preach on who is Jesus. If someone came up to you and said, can you tell me who is Jesus? Would you be able to give them a clear explanation of who Jesus is? Well, one thing we know about God is he is the creator of all things. The Lord hath prepared his throne in heaven and his kingdom, what? Ruleth over all. This, has he vacated his throne is he wringing his hands saying, oh no, the world is out of control? Sometimes we think that, don't we? But he's not fretting. He's not perspiring at all. He's not worried. He's got a plan. And that plan is being carried out. He has all power. He has all authority. But God will take his power and his authority and he'll entrust it to others. He will put others in leadership position in the family, in the church, in the workplace, and also in government. Jesus said, all power is given unto what? Me. And then he'll delegate that power to human authorities. God ordained human authority in these four areas. The family. Who is the head of the family? The husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. Second is government. Now, we need to understand government. Aaron and I were talking about this uh, <clears throat> on the way back from old school. Okay? But in our government, we have national leaders. We have state, local officials. But who ultimately is the government? We, the people. Okay? We are ultimately the government America is not a democracy. Actually, the word democracy comes from the word demos, which is the word you get demon from. Have you ever heard someone say, our Baptist church is a democracy? 
You know what that means? It's a church where Satan rules. Our country is not a democracy. We are a republic. Okay? We choose leaders to represent us because we, the people, are the government. But we do have leaders that we choose. So we have family, we have government, <clears throat> then we have the church. Who's the head of the church? Not the pastor. Who's the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church, and the pastor is the under-shepherd there in the church. And then we have business, uh, which you would have uh, the employer-employee uh, relationship. Uh, so you'd have, you'd have the family, you'd have government, you'd have church, and you would have business. Uh, I wanted to get a picture of Isaac holding a cup saying best boss, but he doesn't have one. <clears throat> so let's go over what the Bible teaches about human authority and the various positions or ranks and how God uses authority. Human authority are accountable to who? They're accountable to God. They may not realize they're accountable to God, but one day every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is... Lord, and they will give an account of themselves to God. So every human authority <clears throat> is accountable to God for how they exercise that authority. God's going to take care of it. They're responsible as human authorities to provide protection and direction for those who are under their care. They are to punish those who do wrong, and they're to praise those who do, to do well. Okay? And uh, that's really the only function of government right there. Those under authority are accountable to God for their response to authority. So who is authority accountable to? Accountable to God. Who are we under authority accountable to? Our authorities and ultimately to God. We're accountable. Since God placed authorities over every single one of us, to obey them is really submitting to God's authority. Because who put them there? Who gave you the husband you have? Who gave you the parents that you have? Who gave you <coughs> the employer that you have? Who gave you the pastor that you have? You know the Bible says the pastors are a gift to the church? Who gave you your pastor? Say, we hire and fire him. No. God gave you your pastor. Okay? If an authority, th this is what we all need to understand. Because then people will say, well, are you just saying whatever authority tells you to do, you're supposed to do it? No. If an authority asks you to do something that is wrong, if it's sinful and it violates God's law, do you have to obey your authority? Yes or no? No. This is where we come into, we have to obey God rather than man. Because God is the ultimate authority. We go above our authority to God and simply say we cannot do that. Now, can we find ourselves in trouble for doing that? Yes. So what if, the, what if the state comes into our church and says, you can no longer preach the gospel? Are we going to preach the gospel? Absolutely, we're going to preach the gospel. We are, we are not going to stop preaching the gospel. Let's look at what it says here. Why don't we just read this together? Because some of you, I'm losing you, okay? I know it's a Wednesday night. Okay, ready? Let's begin. Yay. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 
Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may... Oh, this is an amazing couple verses. All right. Whoever is in authority over you, you need to be subject to them. If you're not subject to those in authority, and you find yourself out from underneath authority... Who is roaming around to destroy and devour your life? Satan is, the roaring lion. So let's break this verse down. We have here, we have government, we have business, we have family, and we have church. God's four structures of authority that we are to be underneath their authority. God is the ultimate authority. So over here, I'm just putting a little chart together. Okay, watch, watch how this kind of flows. On one side, you have God's authority. On the other side, you have Satan. It's God's authority. He wants us to be in what? Submission. Submission will bring protection. Protection will bring blessing. Now, is this something that Satan tries to deceive especially young people in? Is he good at deceiving young people in this area? Absolutely. If you submit to your authority, that's not going to give you protection, and it certainly isn't going to give you blessing. You need to get out from under your authority. Uh-oh, now we come over here to the wrong side. Now we're where Satan walks what? Round about. Isn't it interesting that it says he walks round about? Under authority, protected. Under authority, blessing of God. He walks round about seeking whom he may devour. Now how many of you here want to be devoured by the devil? If you raise your hand, we've got to talk. You really bought the lie. No, none of us here want to be devoured. Then we all want to stay under God-given authority so we can have the protection that we need and the blessing of God that we need. But what does Satan tell us to do? I can't hear you. What? Rebel. You ever had someone say about a teenager, why do you always have to argue with me? You know why? I'll let you in a secret. Because teenagers know more than we do. Isn't that amazing? They know more than we do. Didn't you know that? No, your parents don't know what they're talking about. You don't need to listen to that old... What they call us old guys up there at old school? Crusty? Tim said, we always have the old crusty preachers preach, and this year we're having the young preachers preach. I thought the crusty preachers preached better myself, but uh, rebellion. Don't listen to that old crusty preacher. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Then comes what? And then comes cursing. You know what the Bible calls a person that does this? A fool. 
Get out the book of Revelation and just look up the word fool and read about the fool. What does the fool do? He rebels. What is the result of his rebellion? Destruction and cursing comes in to their life. Do you all understand? This is where Satan wants you to be. Now, what happened to the angels who listened to Satan and rebelled? What happened? And where will all of them eventually end up? Do you think some of those angels right now are kicking themselves and saying, why did I ever listen to Lucifer? Because I'll tell you, they know where they're going. Too late for them. Like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Protection. What is authority? Authority is a specified jurisdiction delegated by God along with the resources and power to carry it out. Submission to authority is an attitude of reverence in which a person voluntarily places himself under God-given authority. If we don't do this, then we're out here rebelling where Satan can destroy us. So, in the family, I'm just going to pick on two of the institutions here. In the family, you have Christ. You have who? You have the husband. You have the wife and provides, the husband provides protection for the wife and for the children, the wife for the children. I, I like that whole concept that we learned years ago when we first went to the Gothard Seminar of the umbrella. It's just a Beautiful picture of God's protection. Wasn't it good to get some rain today? Yeah. But the umbrella that protects us. So we have the family. Over here in the church, you have Christ, you have pastors, you have husbands, and you have, you have wives. It, it's God's, it's the way God intended it to work, okay? To bring blessing. Now, now I want to put this up. We're going to look at the family and we're learning from the angels and how they operate. We're going to talk about the family, and we'll talk about the church here in this little diagram. Of course, we know Satan is the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour or destroy. This is the verse there in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. There we have our umbrella, which represents God's authority, God-given authority. God's the ultimate authority. Then we have a delegated authority, and here we're going to plug in the husband. Okay? Is the husband to be sober, to be vigilant? Yeah, he needs to stay under authority. <clears throat> the Bible calls him the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So here you have the husband, and then you have the wife, and of course, her protection of the children there. And so, uh, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18 that the husband is the head of the wife. Now, what does Satan try to convince a wife of? You don't have to listen to your husband. Your husband doesn't know any better. Your husband isn't even a Christian. Does the Bible address that? 1 Peter chapter 3. You're to submit to him even if he doesn't obey the word, that he may without the word be won by the manner of life, the conversation of the wife. So Satan tries to 
deceive wives. And he's saying, you don't need to be under your husband's authority. And he gets her out here to where he can what? He can what? He can devour. He can destroy. Listen, has, has Satan always operated like this? Always. That's why the Bible calls him that great deceiver. <clears throat> so let's talk about the church. Here you have God's authority. You have God-delegated authority, which comes down to the pastor. The pastor needs to make sure that he is staying under God's authority. <clears throat> he is the, uh, let the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor. Okay, so I rule the church under God's authority. Then you have the congregation, you guys, uh, that have placed yourself, especially if you've joined the church and become a member, you've placed yourself and you've acknowledged, I want Pastor White as my pastor. I want him as my spiritual authority. Now, let me say this. There's a balance of power with God. Does my authority extend into your home? No. My authority doesn't extend. I can't come into your home and tell you what to do. So you stay out of my home. Tell me what to do. <laughs> but I am accountable to God for what goes on in the church. Right? I will stand and give an account of that one day before the Lord. So Satan comes along. Have you, any of you ever heard of a church split? Why do churches split? Most of the time they split because there's certain people in the church that don't want to be under pastoral authority. Satan has convinced them. So what happens? Same thing. Played over and over and over and over and over again. Yes or no? In families, in church, in the workplace, in government. I'm going to end with this. You, you can't read that, can you? You probably should have run this off and, and, and passed it out to you. <clears throat> This is how God's authority structure works. Hazel Miller made this for me. I don't know. I was just a young, young preacher when Hazel. How many know Hazel? When Hazel did this for me. How God's authority structure works. First of all, God's the source of all authority. God's word is our highest authority. Just like, what is our highest authority in America? The Constitution. Right? It's our highest authority. We're all in subjection to the Constitution. The Word of God is our highest authority. God has established a balance of power and authority, just like we have a balance of power, and we're supposed to have a balance of power <laughs> in government. You have the family, the church, the government, and employment. Uh, the, the function of authority is to uh, punish those that do evil, praise those that do good, provide for its people, and uh, provide for their basic needs. By the way, these, these two right here is not the function of government. That's the function of the family. That's the function of the church. You know, God never intended the government to supply people's needs. That's outside their role. Because when government supplies people's needs, who do people look to? Look to the government. Instead of looking to the family, instead of looking to the church, they look to government. You know, really, government has taken over our role. That's one of the things. We okay, I can't get into that. I want to get on it. We do, because we're the government. We let them do that. I had a soapbox I wanted to jump on, but I'm not going to do it. Okay. Every person needs to be under authority for all these various I don't have time to talk about all these reasons, but we already talked about some of them. When your authority 
is demanding that you do something that violates the word of God or violates your conscience. Can you do it? You cannot do it. So then you have to know how to make a wise appeal. Okay? What if you make a wise appeal to your authority, but they still are forcing you to do what you believe is evil? What are you going to do? You know what you're going to do? You're going to suffer for righteousness' sake. Now, how many of you here want to suffer for righteousness' sake? But sometimes we'll be put to the test. The other thing you can do is flee. You can flee America, right? They fleed persecution, came to America. You can flee or you can suffer for righteousness' sake. But listen, we can never disobey God. Give me an amen. We can never, ever disobey the Lord because he is the ultimate authority. So this is the last slide that I have tonight. Uh, the Bible attributes a number of names and titles to the angels. Each one of the names and titles help us to understand their ministries and their attributes. Uh, but I believe it's absolutely fascinating, the various roles, the distinction of those roles and what the angels are doing. And it's just obvious that the angels are under authority. Okay? If they're under authority, carrying out the work of the Lord, we need to be under authority, carrying out the work of the Lord. And all God's people said... Amen. We don't have any time for questions tonight. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.